Hello, everybody. I'm Andy Kriebel, the host of the Dual Access Podcast, where you meet influential people and data that will inspire you to become great at whatever you do. I want you to close your eyes for a second. Imagine yourself standing in front of thousands of people needing to perform without making a single mistake. That's terrifying to most people. I know it is to me, but not to today's guest. This week, my guest is Will Sutton, and we're going to talk about his winning mindset, how he developed it, how we can learn from his experience, and much more. This episode is sponsored by The Maple Square. If you're looking to diversify your audience of speakers, The Maple Square is your place to find experienced women in data and tech that can speak at events and conferences. Please get in contact with them at themaplesquare.com. Wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this, thank you for listening to the Dual Access podcast. For those of you that don't know what IronViz is, you may not have ever heard of it before. It's the world's largest data visualization competition. And Will was one of three people that had to be on stage in front of several thousand people building something in Tableau without making a single mistake, hoping nothing crashes along the way, and then presenting that back to everybody as well. It was just an incredible experience, and I was I was in awe. I don't I don't know how you do it. I know I would be completely terrified. Yeah, I think that's how it is. You are completely terrified, and even rattling it back to me, like that brings back all the terror I had just just <laughs> waiting behind stage to come on before uh, I to do the event. Yeah, you yeah. should have worn like a heart rate monitor. Uh, yeah, I don't want to know. <laughs> like, oh, two hundred. Oh, that's not normal. <laughs> I'm gonna die here. <laughs> this is how I go. So, so while preparing for this interview, I came across a really interesting quote from Zig Ziglar. I don't know if you know who that is or not, um, but he's he said, "When you're born to win, oh, sorry, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win." So, I want to talk to you about each of those things. So, I guess to start off, where does your confidence come from? Have you have you always had it? Uh, no, if you knew me uh, years ago, I was not confident at all like i suppose i grew up in a small place small countryside town uh in the middle of nowhere uh <laughs> didn't really see people that often i lived, lived like quite a recluse life uh quite shy at school i was like our equivalent of the ginger kid at school so i got very picked on for that uh yeah i, I wasn't very good at many things like, like all the things we look up to like sports it was terrible at that <laughs> uh, I didn't have a great sort of start, I kind of think, when yeah. I started looking back. But uh, for me, like the confidence really came when I when I left. I left that little town. I moved on to university, uh, and I didn't get my like first choice at university. But I ended up going to Loughborough University, which okay. uh, it's actually like a really sporting university. And yeah. you sort of find yeah. this like out of shape like maths nerd could with Loughborough University and it's like it was a disaster, <laughs> like a complete disaster of like how are you gonna fit into this place? Uh so yeah. really sort of forced me down this road of like change and uh from that I actually grew a lot of confidence to say actually, you know, it wasn't just said and so you weren't always destined to be that that nerdy guy in the village, you could actually go on and become something different, something better. Do do what you wanted with your own life, mm. uh, which really like helps me start making a lot of changes to get to where I wanted to do in life and achieve the goals I wanted to. Um, yeah, it was a it's a really progressive moment. So um, it took me a while to realise what I needed to do, but. In Loughborough, you have a lot of sports you could do. Obviously, you know, 
from those sporting background, I couldn't just go and say, oh, yeah, I want to play like first in rugby or football or something. Right. You get uh, killed. <laughs> yeah, so we killed, and mostly I wouldn't make the trials to get in. But the one, right. there was one spot I found that didn't have trials to get into, uh, which was triathlon. Um, so this was a route I went down. So I hadn't done any like exercise sort of sports. So like triathlon wasn't that big at the time, like it is That's now. That's a big leap from from no athletics <laughs> to a triathlon. I know, I know, but it's it's one of these sort of I feel like you kind of need to take this leap of faith at times. Of like this was such a good opportunity for me. Like you're in the like sporting like capital of like university you're the best place to do it best facilities best coaches and you can just sign up to the stuff and just take it on uh so i did uh and it was really hard i'm not gonna <laughs> lie it was really hard <laughs> yeah, you know uh, but it's one of those things i stuck at and what i learned was you met so, so many like great people along the way as well who'd all been down that journey as well they're all yeah. there to get better at the sport you know and they want to sort of encourage you to get better and that's what the coaches are there for so yeah yeah so i stuck with that and uh when i saw that sort of gradual change certainly i think is why my parents came and picked me up like what's happened what's happened to our son (laughs) you know he's changed suddenly (laughs) so like all the clothes i had when i was 16 didn't fit anymore because they're too big (laughs) (laughs) that's great have you done have you done many triathlons then uh yes yes so i mean not so much in recent years uh but the goal there the, the main inspiration that kept me going throughout that that race was doing the iron man okay um, just so i spent a lot of time at the university getting up the different race experiences but in the end in 2015 i took on uk iron man in bolton that did that one wow um, the full distance yeah the full distance um oh, wow. congratulations <laughs> thank you but yeah and it's one of those days that you can always like look back on and say it all makes everything relative since that point like yeah that yeah. race took me 14 hours i can say like i've had tough days at work but they didn't last 14 hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, so, I'm... so then it makes like oh if you can survive that you know i mean you're just sitting behind a desk it can't be as bad as like sitting on a bike after yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm training for a full distance Ironman myself in, in next June. And it's crazy how it takes like a year to train for one if you, if you want to, if you know, it's but uh, I think it, I find athletics really helped me develop that um, that positive mindset. Right. So I, I feel like, you know, I've run lots and lots of marathons. I'm not in marathon shape, but I know mentally if I had to go do one right now, I could because I've done it before. So how has has that sort of how triathlon and getting into something that was new to you and really having to push yourself and feel like, you know, yes, I can do this. How much has that carried over for you going forward? Uh, I think it's just really beneficial. Another part of like exercise as well, you have that feel good factor afterwards. Yeah, the endorphins, yeah. A really bad day, you just go out for a run. It's like, oh, actually, this is much better. <laughs> so, <laughs> I found it very helpful in terms of reducing the stress, being able to, I suppose, have a bit of space to think things through. Uh, There's always like part of what I would do is if I had any problems, I would go out for like a long run on a Sunday, and any issue there could be resolved with given enough space and distance from everything else. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I do a lot of my best thinking when I'm running because you, you literally have nothing else to think about. So <laughs> I solve lots of problems, uh, you know, uh, solve world peace, you know, all the, those kinds of things when I, while I'm running. But yeah, I think it maybe it's those endorphins afterwards. Um, so a, a winning mindset is about um, growth, abundance and, and success. Um, it doesn't rest on kind of necessarily the outcome, but more so on your beliefs and um, a self-affirming attitudes toward life. And it sounds like you've, you've developed that. Um, and you've talked a bit about your upbringing. Um, how have you then taken, you know, so you were a shy kid growing up, you developed that confidence through university. How have you then carried over that confidence and that winning mindset into your career? I mean, you come in, like, I think like we all like leave university with like, a lot of hope and ambition and then you get into the working place and someone stumps on it. I mean, right. like, yeah. nope, that's a nice idea, but you've got to do this and you sort of, you don't know what else to do. So you just kind of sit there and do that. So I was in these different jobs where it's like, what, what am I doing? This is far away from like the dreams and ambitions I had. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't need to end like that. I think it's the way. I think a lot of us can be sort of put back where it's, this isn't where I want to be at the moment. But actually knowing that this is all really good experience for you, getting this idea of like what the business is like, but going into that progressive like journey towards getting there. It's not like I, I dived into the pool to start off with and was able to like swim the 150 meters or whatever, you yeah. know straight away uh I, I couldn't swim to start with i couldn't even do like two lengths <laughs> when i started but it was the gradual like weeks of going through back through that stuff that helped me get there and i think at work it's you kind of expect a lot of things like i've got all this knowledge to hand over but it really helped um helped me sort of okay this is going to take a bit longer to work to a place where i want to get to and also the fact that you just I suppose don't really know what you want at the start. I I left university with the idea that I was going to become like a stockbroker. I was going to become like the next Gordon Gecko or Wolf of Wall Street. I was going to make like millions and then retire at thirty. And then I got into this company. I was like, whoa, this this is a different. This is much different than I expected it to be. I mean, yeah. I mean, I learned a hell of a lot from that experience, but. I realized most importantly it wasn't where I wanted to be for the rest of my future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you can take positives and negatives from every job, right? So you, you know, every job kind of leads to the next one, right? And eventually you find something where you're like, this is what I was meant to do all along. But you have to think about, you know, you have those, you had a few negative experiences, everybody does in a job, but how can you turn those into positive experiences when you go on to your next role? Right. So um, it sounds like you were able to kind of do that as you went through your different roles into what you do now. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's picking up these little pieces. So uh, part of what I did in the first job was using Excel. Like we used Excel and I managed to automate my job basically with Excel. Uh, so we were taking uh, client portfolios and saying what trades they needed to do. And I use Excel to make this sort of automated model. I mean, I was like, did the job and five minutes and then I had nothing to do, do for the rest of the day uh, but I made no mistakes in the job so I, I looked really good at the job but what I actually enjoyed was making that tool and that that little right. that little thing that automated my job and that was really satisfying to me and so I thought well I've definitely got to talk about this at any job interview because this is what I enjoy doing 
Um, so I did, yes, as you say, that progressively like use that to be the building blocks for your next, next one, next one. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So fr- from what I know about you, I would consider you to be pretty introverted. Is that so? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> absolutely right. I don't hide so given that, um, how does being introverted impact developing your self-belief? Uh, so for me, I think knowing that I've been like, introverted like, it was a, like, a moment for me understanding a bit more about myself. Uh-huh. I think that... Uh, as interest, we always are quite conscious of what everybody thinks of us, right? right. Before we even I'm act. Sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It's like, am I going to look like a complete idiot doing this, this, or this? What is blah going to think? And it really stifles anything you want to do. It really can stop you before you even started. Um, all, and you have this like overanalyzing fact on things that really you should be trying to nurture and put into your work. Uh, I just, you know, after realizing this, I just stopped, stopped caring uh, too much about what other people thought and thought, well, is this really in line of where I want to try and get to? And part of this is where you've just got to make your own mistakes in life. You can't just uh, do nothing at times. You've got to at least fail a few times before you can learn in this case. So like me going into a job that I eventually knew that I didn't want to do, more you know that wasted maybe two years of my career you could say right. but also taught me a hell of a lot in terms of life lessons for the next you know 40 years or so uh so yeah. you can't say one way or the other um but yeah so when i stopped caring about whatever people would say or would think that really helps me because i learned this like even now i know that people always have an opinion about you whether you want them to or not you can't right. change it uh, but you can certainly, uh, this shouldn't stop you trying to achieve what you want to achieve in life. So, you know, you, you've talked a bit about the kind of opportunities you've had from work and how you've turned those into, um, you know, so basically somebody with a winning mentality tends to treat challenges as um, opportunities for learning. Um, have there been any particular challenges that you've had to overcome that have had a significant impact on that self-confidence and self-belief? Maybe negative only, but why don't we talk about something that's had a negative impact on your self-confidence first? Because not everything, not everything is positive, right? The band-aid a few times. <laughs> well, might need to come back on that one a bit. I think I buried those quite deep in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can skip it that if you want. Uh, uh, um, no. Uh, I, I can actually talk about many dates I went on. Uh, okay. There was a progressive time when, uh, so I, I knew at times, like, for even, even apart from my job, we were having to interview a lot of people before, and I was always quite nervous, even when I was, like, the interviewee. It's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, how are you, like, how are you supposed to go through life if you can't even, like, talk to people? Um, so at the same time, I thought, well, could really do with some like more company here so i started going on lots of different dates and oh my god I, the the poor lady i went on my first date with like my first like in london date oh my god we were like completely opposite people and <laughs> nothing in common whatsoever and i left that thinking oh what i do i ever want to go on another date again should i right. ever like maybe this isn't for me at all but um 
it's one of those you can't let like one step back put you off for life because yeah, yeah. Uh, that was never going to go well uh, <laughs> long term so yeah I took a lot of learnings from that sort of I suppose dust yourself off a bit and think well go and hopeful well you survived one day you came out of it in one piece so it can't have been that that bad maybe you know reassess reassess what you're looking for try for the next one the try for the next one so kept doing that i mean and, and i think in the end i went on about 15 different dates uh mm-hmm. and then the 15th was my wife so it worked out right in the end <laughs> so was it was the idea then to build your kind of self-confidence through those or were they kind of genuine dates uh there's a part of again this progressive learning of I didn't know what I was looking for yeah. at the time when right, I definitely right. came quite clear. Uh, but it did help along those lines as well. Like me, because I hadn't hadn't done dates in a very long time. So I thought, well, I need to get back in the scene and at least get prepared, like ready for like, if the right person came along, I knew what to say about messing up completely. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, a bit of practice, but also just a bit of search. You never know. Uh, when when these things the right one's going to come along so <laughs> that's great that's a great story um i, I want to ask you a bit about how you organize how you organize yourself um what is your approach to tasks like how intentional are you about how you tackle them and do you follow a similar approach each time because you've got to be very organized to you know to do what you've done uh yeah i think always I think it depends a lot on the mood you're in and like what you've got to do. If you're uh, had like quite a lot on recently, you just want sort of some quiet time, like simple sort of admin work is good or planning for the next next bit of work is good. Uh, if you've got bigger pieces of work, I try and take different chunks of the day to handle those. I mean, I tend to do my best work in the morning. So if there's a big piece of work, try and time box say a couple of hours right. to go and, Put, put my energy into doing that but then also knowing that I can't do that but every day every day and all the day going through uh, so taking some time back to think well can I change change the pace up and do something else for a little while and then come back mm-hmm. to it later uh, often like even when I was say solving like maths problems at university like, you would have like a question you were stuck on you go away overnight and you come back to it and you could solve it for some mm-hmm. reason like left your brain running overnight and that was for the answer uh, similarly if you've got work problems that you got a bit stuck on sometimes it helps to have change of pace going on so yeah, uh, yeah we've got some helps. yeah we, we've got some nice uh, nice chat messages coming in here all of a sudden uh <clears throat> All right, I'll I'll make sure we clean those up before uh, before <laughs> when when this goes uh, when this is over. Um, all right, so how do you avoid being kind of complacent? So you get into a comfort zone after a while, and um, you know you need to continue to push yourself to be creative and to grow. But how do you avoid complacency? I think you just you just look around to see what else is out there. At times, I mean. It's very easy in your own company to be like in this bubble and say, ah, yeah, I'm really good here. But then uh, when you look around, like say like data visualization, you look on my Twitter community, like, oh, okay, I cannot do this. You know, it was definitely a time in like 2019 that I'd been like a tablet user for about five years. I was like, oh, I can do this stuff. 
And then I look on Kevin Cummings like, oh, okay. And I definitely can't do that. And I'm like, wait a second. What, what have I like missed out that they that they are doing that I don't know how to do? I there's a major sort of like humbling moment when I looked and was like, I can't do any of this stuff. This stuff looks amazing. I, I looked at the the stuff I was turning out in Makeover Monday. I was like, this is trash. <laughs> this is trash. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. So I think. Yeah, certainly, like, avoiding complexity is just looking around. Certainly, know from the coming back from background that it's very easy uh, to, you know, to be caught out in this field as well. Uh, You can easily, like, slip up. And so it's always making sure you take the time to go back over the work and retrace your steps and make sure that it still works. And also just trying to get some like blind, uh, like someone who's blind to the project across your work first. So yeah, yeah. yeah often I will, I will speak to my wife and say, "Hey, can you? Do you understand this? Am I like going mad? I've made this like thing I think is amazing, but maybe like your approach will humble me a bit yeah, more, yeah, like yeah. beyond track." Yeah. But I guess that comes back to to learning then. So you, you've your confidence has grown because you've put a lot of time in to get better. When people start engaging in the community, really anything they do, you know, they might get a lot of, um, I don't know if it's necessarily imposter syndrome, but they um, they probably feel like they're not good enough. And, um, you know, that, that's why, that's why, like, for example, Makeover Monday exists, because I want people to have a place where they can grow and don't necessarily worry about comparing yourself. What would be your advice to somebody to avoid... Um, uh, you know, comparing themselves to others because all that's going to do is hurt their self confidence and not help them grow that winning mindset. It is, I think, largely about like the mindset up here, like how you think of this. Because I, I certainly had this time as well, and I remember looking at all these different work. Uh, like you know, with Makeover Money, when you put your work out, there was a, a selection of favorites picked. I think I only got picked once. Uh, not, <laughs> no, not anymore. It takes too much time. <laughs> <laughs> but in that, yes, I could say that, oh, I wasn't picked again, but actually I could use this sort of those favorites to say, oh, so what is going on here? Why are these being picked? And try and make this another room, like an avenue for growth for me of looking at all these different techniques that have been used that I wasn't using. Because mm. often there, were, there was a lot of cases there where it's like, I didn't think of, doing this sort of calendar chart or this or that. Uh, so there's different avenues you could, how you want to approach these things, whether you want to sort of take these as sort of a negative beating or whether you want to turn it into this, like, hey, there's still an opportunity here for you to learn a bit more and a bit more uh, going forward. So I think it's how your attitude to it is, you know, whether you put this work out expecting it to go up, shoot the lights out in terms of, oh, yeah, we're going to get a 1,000 lights, we're going to get retweeted, we're going to appear in the New York Times and stuff. Or, yeah, face facts that, hey, someone liked it, that was a great start, and also that, hey, there's also ways, avenues here that we can go and improve going Mm. forward. Yeah, I, I never mean, knew anybody would use the the kind of favorites that way to go off and see what other people were doing and how you can use that to improve yourself. Um, I didn't think anybody ever actually looked at it, actually. So um, it, it sounds like I should maybe think about uh, bringing that back uh, at, at at some point. Um, it, it was it was really fun to kind of highlight people, but I was worried that you know people might get upset that they didn't get picked and you know and all that. But you know, I guess I guess you have to kind of get over that, right? <laughs> 
again, if you're gonna make this jump to say, I could be better at data visualization like I did, uh, yeah, you're gonna have to just get over with that, that self-admitting that, yes, I could be better. And then, hey, this is the path to get better. Mm -hmm. Try and figure it from that, that positive mindset. That's uh, great. Uh, I want to switch gears a second to um, IronViz um, because I want to talk a bit about your mental approach to, to IronViz. Um, surely you must have gone into it feeling pretty confident you'd win. Of course, you don't know what the competitors are creating. At least I'm assuming you have no, no idea into what they're doing. But how did you plan mentally for that pressure and kind of that experience? Or can you? Uh. The, the whole experience, I can tell you, I did not expect to win at all. Like, okay. I can confess it to you now. Up there until they called my name, I was like, that was genuine shock. I was like, what? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, But you have to have a certain amount of confidence going into it, though, right? I mean, you've got to, like, put on your best show. So um, <laughs> make it till you make it. I will talk about a bit more about how I reframed the competition in my own head so I could win it, but not how you would see it. Uh, but right. certainly for Ireland, I knew there was, there was certainly when you get that message of you're in the final, it's like, oh God. What now I, I got to do it. Because <laughs> yeah, I had submitted this feeder that was drawings about like, what do these drawings mean? This was just a, just a laugh this was a bit of a joke i put together and right. then suddenly it wowed me into this trip to vegas and uh yeah uh there's certain fears that went through my head was like first mm -hmm. off like yeah that audience five thousand people to speak in front of like you can't see them though right because of the lights yeah they're still there <laughs> you still <laughs> one of them they're there uh yes yeah, so all those people you then yes did you say you had the competition like the competitors you have to face. And when I found out, it's like CJ and Kimberly, like the two people you look up to in the community, yeah. you really amazing work. It's like, oh, come on, <laughs> now I've got to like go against them because yeah, really inspiring pieces of work are like good in like both different ways. So yeah. it was never going to be like one thing I could do. Uh, and then you found like the data set you got was about education. It's like, I knew nothing about the education industry or anything more than having been through it. So right. you do. Um, and then like these things never come at a good moment. So at the time I was in the workplace and we were going through redundancies uh, at work. So I was like unsure of like what's going to happen in my job, what's happening right. with my colleagues, what's going to happen like in the future. What's, you know, and then you get landed with this as well. It was mentally quite draining. You have a quite a lot of different things spinning around in your head. And I needed to take the time actually just to get away from it all. So I know people say don't run away from your problems. But uh, shortly after this, like getting notified, I, I left the country. Uh, so I went oh, wow. to Wales. <laughs> yeah, I went to I went off to Wales. So um, I'd seen this, uh, this photographer had done the same thing when he wanted to change up what he was doing uh, in photography so he went uh took a trip away like an, to a little cabin in wales i did the same got a little like glamping pod in wales and we just stayed there for like a long weekend and while i was out there it was again towards what i am as an introvert there was that time away from all these other pressures in the world away from work away from everything else that was going on my house and stuff 
uh, had a lot of time outside, outdoors in the countryside, like going up different peaks. Uh, it really helped me sort of get the time together for myself to try and work through these different problems. Mm-hmm. And so when I was looking back on, like, say, public speaking for like 5,000 people, it's like, well, you're never probably going to get this opportunity again. Like, this is probably right. the best experience you'll ever have. So, yeah, if I could survive that, then any public speaking event is going to be complete piece of cake afterwards. Right. I remember being invited to do like uh, the London like Tableau user group shortly, like after the competition. I was like, yeah, sure. This this is nothing compared to like five thousand, so only a hundred. So it was fine. When it came down to those competitors, like I knew they were good. I knew, there was nothing you could do to like change what they're going to do or impact that. So I thought, right. well, why don't again change that? Change that conversation. And say, oh, this is a really good opportunity for me to show what I could do. Right. I mean, I think I was a relatively unknown character at the time, so it's like, oh, I could bring a lot of like what I know to that competition because I'm sure like, I've got to be in that competition for like a good reason right so bringing what I could do to that stage and to show all those other Tableau users out there and then when you think about education as well it's like well I didn't really understand it too much and I suppose my audience weren't of the same knowledge of the same knowledge like everyday people so what I could do is through me learning a bit more about this topic was try and convert that quite easily to a message for that audience as well. So actually you could spin these quite negative things in my head actually into positives uh, for this, what I could bring to this competition. And it kind of helped me reframe what this competition for me was going to be about was about me coming and showing, Hey, you know, I'm not an expert here, but I can come and I can show you, what you can do with the tool. This is what I would do with Tableau. This is what how I would go and share this different topic. Uh, and from this, I'm going to be able to speak in front of more people in the future without mm. so much pressure on my shoulders going forward. So uh, I was able to then set that. That's that's me. That that is that's what I'm like aiming out to do with this goal. Uh, and I can go and I can win that. You know, competition can happen. You know, I was that was what I wanted to go out and do. Uh, so that's how I went and set about doing it. So. Yeah. I guess you can only control the controllables, right? You can't control what your competitors are doing, but you have a lot, you have complete control over what you do, how you prepare for it, how you approach it mentally, you know, and, oh, I don't deserve to be here. Or, you know, you switched your mindset to saying, hey, I'm here for a reason, right? So that's a, that's a great way to look at it. Um, so how did you, how'd you deal with the nerves and not make a mistake, um, oh, you you definitely will make a mistake. You definitely will be nervous. I think um, you didn't look yeah, at it. when you're there. Um, so what happened was we had to. I know that there was a mistake in like my final. So what happens was you submit your piece of work and then you have to redo it on the day. And I knew there was an error in it that I wanted to fix. So this is where partway through the competition, you see me doing a regex just to change something that, so in a data set I had prepped, there was a typo, I needed to fix it. So it's, oh. I had to go and then readjust and do that on the day. I think itself, I think getting over it was the practicing. So you've submitted this piece of work, you know how it comes together. You can practice and practice, try and get better at this. Um, and how I worked about this was, you have a 20 minute deadline to build it. I think we all went about, 
way over when we first started rebuilding it, but the muscle memory got a bit better at time. You also had cases where you were still working on the data set, we're trying to get it down to 20 minutes as well. Uh, so I had some certain techniques was understanding what stuff I needed to put into more advanced techniques to get done quicker so I could make for a quicker build on the day and I try to do that as much as possible. So I think for the last section, there's like this giant map at the end. You then have these sort of big numbers, these different charts in the corner about different countries on that map. So normally you would just go and build different sheets for these charts and everything. Uh, but because of the time limit, we went and built it out on map layers because I could actually prep the data that much, uh, prep the data that way so they could be built much quicker in the actual event itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was using, trying to offload a lot of like the time pressures into the data set as well. So it could keep myself a bit more breathing room on the data itself. And then in the practicing, I knew I could section the different bits of workouts. So like a beginning, a sort of middle part and an end mm-hmm. section. I could then go and time each of those to try and get those okay. times down to then the complete thing could be built within the 20 minutes. I think, and yeah, just making sure that, you know, when the day has actually come that you don't go too fast. I know taking like just an extra breath just to make sure that oh, I've reached this point, I've done this, this, and this, I've done all the things I expect. I'm guessing your head then, you know, okay, I'm 25% of the way done now. It's only been four minutes. I'm okay. You know? Yeah. 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 I, it's just, just making sure that you had those checkpoints to check in mm-hmm. on things. I know it was very easy. I know Kimley made a mistake in hers that no one noticed. Uh, and she was able to rectify it on the day, but instead of duplicating the sheet, she deleted it and then just carried on. And then at the end, that's what is a bit of a rush for her because she's in that, oh, no, I need to rebuild it again. <laughs> it's very easy to do that sort of thing. Um, I think, again, it was just sort of making sure that you could certainly do it, practice it, get it done right. well within the time just to avoid that, that stress coming in. So you knew that you could mm-hmm. do it within the yeah. time limit. Part of preparing then is is getting ready for situations where things might go like completely wrong. You need to know kind of how to work around those sorts of things. So what resources did you draw upon in case things went wrong or they didn't go as planned? Did you have a plan B? So let's say, for example, Tableau crashed. That happened in Iron Viz a few years ago. Happened in Jeff Schaefer, I think it was. I had no plan B. There was, <laughs> there was nothing i was i was in it just like do what i wanted to do that 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 was it i didn't really have i think enough time or like energy to think of what plan b could mm-hmm. be in this in this case i mean i could always go and share the share the work afterwards of what it was going to be and all this sort of things but yeah there was, there was no plan b there was no escape route uh, i was i was in it to uh, do it as well. well in it for this get this get this over the line yeah that, that's great that makes makes complete sense i guess when you have a limited time frame if there's a plan b then plan a you didn't do enough preparation on so maybe, maybe something like that yeah great successful people master their craft by building a very strong foundation you know lots of practice we've talked about makeover monday continuing to iterate and improve your skills um, and, and successful people also tend to be specialists and not generalists. 
What was your approach to mastering your craft? How'd you continue to refine your skills so that you did get to the point where you had this winning mindset? I think it's, well, largely down to the positivity of things about being open to new ideas, new creativity. I think anyone who would look at me as like a specialist, I make charts. But even then, I think there's so many different avenues within that that I'm still trying to explore, work out. Uh, but yeah, largely it was like for the competition as well was me trying out this sort of slide deck sort of technique in Tableau, which I'd never seen before. This was just an idea of like, hey, Let's put it out there and see what people make of it. But yeah, I'm still progressively looking through different avenues and different techniques of what's going on at the moment. I mean, even with my work, I suppose I'm on like a new goal at the moment to try and get some of my work published in say a magazine for for, for once. So I've gone done on this portfolio of work. I want to actually try and get it more into a print format, get it out there in front of people mm. in there. And so I'm trying to work out like the different avenues of what's required for that how could i find yeah. different people trying to make this happen as well because i've done cycling business i think there's loads of cycling magazines out there surely this like information is going to be interesting to that audience as well so i'm trying to think and of they like, love data <laughs> yeah yeah exactly they all love the stats right they're all the same i mean i i, I put that together because i'm a fan of cycling i enjoyed like watching the Tour de France, I had my own questions about it. So I think, well, mm. surely there's other people interested in this work as well. So trying to think of, well, you've been using this interactive tool all the time, you have all this extra functionality. If you were to take away all the button clicks and everything and turn this into a print format, what would you do? How would you change things? Right. I'm hoping that those kind of limitations and moving into those sort of crafts will still help my overall skill with data visualization. Mm. So what looks good in print can also be then enhanced with some interactivity as well. Um, so it's doing this, doing like following your own interests, I think is largely a path I've been been down for a long mm-hmm. time. Like, um, this is this is the print format world at the moment. I did a lot with like Tableau and animations before. I think certainly IronBiz was part of that, showing these, this animation of the 100 people moving across the screen. But I've done other little projects, some that are still still in my mind of like what shall I do next uh, so we, we built Pong in Tableau using animations that was fun uh, <laughs> got different ideas about um, using animations as sort of like this conveyance uh, or like an inch like a big moment for my audience to reveal all the data which has been quite fun that was with uh, mm. data fam con dungeons and dragons program we have the dice rollouts which has been really fun uh, using animation to they create a bit of drama and a visualization. So there's one of my visits about you're in a spaceship and you're trying to escape this mothership spaceship. And so I have this animation of like the light going, like stars zooming past behind you just to give this sort of impression of you're running away from them. So different things I'm trying out at the moment. So yeah, I think I keep sort of getting a bit more, more and more specialized in different things to try and, yeah. Make that my new bubble of learning that I'm going to go and take on, and then that helps mm. continue to grow and get better in this, in this profession. 
I guess nobody really ever masters their craft. You just continue to refine it and improve it. And, and what I really like is that you're looking for opportunities. You're, you're being very intentional about finding opportunities to, to grow. As far as kind of print media, you should reach out to Alberto Cairo. If you don't follow him on Twitter, feel free to just message him. Tell him, tell him I sent you, uh, uh, I sent you his way. And uh, I'm sure he'd be happy to have a chat with you about, uh, about print media. Um, one of the things that you're that you have to be really good at in in the the way that you work in particular is how to focus on the task at hand. Um, how did you learn how to focus and minimize distractions? It's so easy. Right? There's distractions everywhere, and like I know, like if you have the attention deficit, I had a there's an amazing TED talk about like the annoying distraction monkey that comes in and just said, "Hey, you could be doing this instead," and then all your time is gone. Suddenly, you're the night before the deadline. I think it's just about uh, setting yourself like actual sort of like checkpoints of where we want to get to in terms of this journey. I think it's really hard. The times when you have like a deadline that's quite far out, but making sure that you have almost a regular sort of deadline to keep you going along the way. Yeah. So when I'm working with say stakeholders or clients, it's always a case of I know I'm going to talk with them within the next day or two at some point. So I've got to want to have like this, this, and this done. I have like a little plan almost of where I want to get to in terms of the work, uh, so I can talk through them, see they can see where the work is going, and then. It keeps me like accountable. Like you've got to keep going. You can't just go down this complete rabbit hole of like you wanted to do this, but they actually just wanted something nice and normal. I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, like in the data visualization world, we're always like yearning for uh, they, all the work you see at the moment with like information is beautiful. Those awards going on at the moment, like really impressive stuff. We will really want to make. That's like, oh yeah, that's just what I do day to day. Uh, but in reality, what your client actually wants may be much more simple, much more straightforward, much more, and also much more delivered on time. You know, if you spend like weeks getting to that um, versus that versus what they wanted in a few days. So, um, yeah, so definitely sort of checkpoints, lists of like where you want expected to be and getting that. I think you just learn along the way because inevitably there's going to be a uh, something comes up that isn't quite right and it always helps to have the client there just so they understand why things aren't, aren't quite where they were expecting them to be as well. Yeah. One of the things that I see in people with winning mindsets is that they're they're constantly looking for ways to adapt or change the way they do things in order to increase their output. Right? They want to become more efficient, do more work uh, you know, in less time. How do you look out for ways to improve your skills in that area? I think so. In terms of like uh, the efficiencies of things, I think, yeah, it's, yeah, again, removing those distractions. But also, sometimes you understand that with our field, in terms of the creativity, is actually a wonderful part of it that can really help unstick mm-hmm. a lot of problems as well. Is actually still penciling in that time that you actually need to know that, like, you're going to need some time off at this point to go and go somewhere else to get you out of out of the zone a bit to try and think through this problem in maybe a different way. Um, I think there's a lot of benefits in doing something different in our field as well to get the eyes on the work. So, yeah, it's always this sort of conjecture of like, I you know something new and flashy versus you know bog standard like straight sort of simple best practice work, but it's sort of 
I kind of like blend it with how much of an impact do you want this piece of work to do? So something like the Iron Man's competition, really big, big moment where you need to sort of show something very different, very like makes everyone go, wow, I hadn't seen that before. Is a real big time to sort of take a lot of, lot of book out a lot of time for creativity and to spend a lot of time exploring like little bits and pieces here and there. But yeah, for other, other moments is more in case step back and maybe just put out the bog standard and see where you get to. Yeah. So while you were building your iron viz, then you had to become more and more efficient as you went along in order to get it down to that, to that 20 minute, I guess you probably have to try to get it to under 20 minutes when you're preparing, right? Just in case, um, how did you, what was your approach to finding those areas where you could be more efficient? Was it simply just practice? Uh, So it was looking around of, what you can learn so out the out the box what you can do in terms of the like shortcuts the computer shortcuts in terms of oh i don't need to go click for actions i can actually just do a hotkey for that or right. something or how you go about structurally building the visualization out where, where you would draw things on onto the actual sheet or versus could you actually just sometimes you can just double click and it'll go to the right column or sh- uh, row shell right. that so there's a lot of like practicing a lot of like testing different different methods out but it was also that the concept of looking around see what other people had done in the future in the past i know there was the uh was it lindsay portler had done the the, the one where you can just go and take the metrics and put them on the oh, you do that all the time now yeah, yeah. Um, i can say that i thought found it easier just to put all those into tableau prep and then have that already there for me ready to go and it's like okay okay we can do that instead right. not to mess about too much we like go back to the notepad file go go right, go to right. low again so there's a lot of like testing in that and by having things in these different sections i then knew that oh where i could focus the actual time on it so there's trying to learn too much in quite a short space of time mm-hmm. uh, to actually try and learn teach yourself all these new techniques that then like trip yourself up later on so it's going with what was natural versus what you could get done at the time as well so yeah a lot of research i suppose and like where where's the effort most needed yeah well well thank you so much for letting me get into your head a bit uh so that i can understand how i can continue to to develop a winning mindset i've got one last question for you how do you think your mindset sets yourself sets you apart from others uh what a what a question um I would I would say that I've I've gone through life I suppose learning that actually I suppose I have this kind of mindset that I know there's different religions out there in the world uh, but I've kind of gone with like the worst case scenarios that you're only going to live once and then you shouldn't really try and like think try and have anything that's going to put a limit on you uh, be that that's all really helped me with this whole self confidence thing of like, well, this is something we need to go and change because otherwise you're not going to be able to achieve what you want to go and do. Um, so it's really understanding that, yeah, uh, this might only be one trip for me and I've got to try and make the most of it while I'm here. So this is why you see me like progressively take take advantage of any opportunities I can get, might get my hands into, see this as an opportunity for me to go and learn a bit more, go and develop my skills, maybe try something new out. You know, it's all experience. This is all what life's about, you know, and I don't want to be, you know, what am I going to tell the grandkids, you know, in, in so many years' time? Like, oh, yeah, I, I just did a desk job for so long. Well, 
I've got all this pack of stories I can tell them as well now uh, from things I went out and did. And maybe didn't go the right way, like all my dates. But, you know, actually, you know, came all right in the end. You know, I st- still was able to find someone at the end of the day. So. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, if you listen, if you're watching this on YouTube and you enjoy what you're seeing, please give it a like. Um, don't forget to click on subscribe. The Dual Access podcast comes out every week, along with lots of tips and Makeover Monday sessions, lots of content for you to uh, to watch uh, in order to help you get better. If you are listening to this on your favorite podcasting platform, it'd be great if you could leave a review. It helps other people find the podcast. Next week, my guest is Elisa Fink. So Elisa was the chief marketing officer at Tableau for nearly 12 years. Since retiring from Tableau, Elisa has been a board member of several companies. I first met Elisa in April 2007, shortly after I downloaded Tableau. She's been a close friend, confidant, and ally ever since. We're going to get to know about what made her successful, what it's like to be a woman in a C-level role in a tech company, why she's done what she has to help so many people, and much more. If you'd like to get in touch with Will, all of his contact information is in the show notes. Will, thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you.